Moxie Soxie. <gasps> Good afternoon, Tam Tam. I have been with you in New York City for two days, <laughs> and uh, funnily enough, I have a new accent. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it doesn't sound very You've New York. You've infected me with this accent. It is uh, English now. You're supposed to be like, New York, baby, New <laughs> York. New York accent? Wait, do it one more time. New York, New, new York. York. I'm really bad at New York accents. I'm you really, are? Yes. Okay, so we need to like... Come spend- and have the... <laughs> It's really bad. But I can do Southern. I can do Australian. Yes, yes. Those are very good. Those are very good that you have. South African, my parents are like, who's over there at the door? (laughs) Go open the park. What are you doing, man? This is my South African accent. That must, might be one of the hardest accents to like listen to and it's try li- to Yeah, it's hear, a little like right? New Zealand, like fish and chips. A fish and chips? That's New Zealand. Okay. I can just do phrases. I can do full accents. <laughs> just the phrase. You're pretty good. I mean, I try, you know. You're like Southern. So, yeah, well, I am from Texas, honey. You know, I grew do up Do your New that. York again. New York, move the fucking car. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I give that to you. Thank I give you. that to you. Thank you. Anyways. So if you haven't, if you don't know, we're in New York, guys. <laughs> and I have to tell this little story before we um, introduce our next amazing guest. But um, Roxy and I are sleeping together. Not uh, sleeping. Not, not literally. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was just my fantasy. <clears throat> Sorry. Roxy and I are sleeping next to each other um, in a very old hotel. Yes. Because we couldn't get any rooms because everything is there's a G8 summit. Yeah. So everything's like a thousand bucks a night. So we're like, we'll spend 500 bucks a night on the hotel. And Roxy's like, can we do the 450? I'm like, the 450 looks like there might be drug addicts there. So we did the 500. There's no room service. All water. Nope. Nope. They not would a not drop. give us water. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm sleeping next to Roxy and her husband David hi David because I'm sure you're listening <laughs> told me that she snores mm. and I was nervous because I don't sleep next to my husband a lot of the time because he snores and so he sleeps in separate beds and that's why we've stayed married for 12 years because we get to sleep and I was very nervous about you snoring mm. and I was like I'm not going to have my brain cells working on these podcasts because mm. I'm going to be up all night with your <laughs> going on so I brought my sound machine I brought my calm app which makes a big noise I brought my um, my noise cancelling ear, ear earplugs and I bought my Bose noise sound. <laughs> you were prepared. And I put Roxy's pillows to the to the a little. So I put her head. I propped her head up the first night to make sure she didn't snore. And three hours into falling asleep, I woke up with shock horror because I was like, "Is Roxy dead or alive?" Or she left to go party in New York City, and she was still there. <laughs> Alive, she hadn't left to go party, and she was not snoring. <gasps> See, confirmed. Thank you, David. Yeah. I do not snore at night, even though you do. Yes, <laughs> and she seems to be okay. That you've been gaslit for the last, yes. I don't know, ten years. Oh, don't you worry. I'm putting this on the scorecard. And, it will not be forgotten. And you know what? The next day, which was last night, you didn't snore either. So, uh, see, yeah. it's two out of two. It's two out of two. Two out of two. It's clean. It's clean. It's so easy. our next guest has got nothing to do with snoring, or maybe a bit of gaslighting. Maybe there's gaslighting in there. And we love her so much. We had her on, I think it was just after the pandemic. Right. Was it just after? It was. And she was, I keep sending all the clips that we have, the assets of her to my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And he watches it. He's like, great idea. And then he just does not do what I've asked him to do. So we're going to talk a lot. Mm. I think this episode we really wanted to talk about discipline and like, Connecting with your kids mm-hmm. as a parent and with your in your relationships without without discipline being like the ultimate goal, like mm-hmm. trying to find connection without punishment. Mm-hmm. And also, I've learned a lot about lately about attachment styles. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to talk about attachment styles. I also want to talk about 
where our attachment styles come from and mm-hmm. how they play a role in our parenting. Because mm-hmm. I learned that I'm an anxious natcher. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Shocking. Um, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Apparently, you are an avoidant attacher. We have shocking. to go through all those. Passive aggressive. <laughs> um, Don't make me pull the text messages out, Miss Tam. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Roxy, who do we have today? Well, we are so thrilled to welcome back our friend of the podcast. She's an amazing psychologist. She has taught us so much about parenting. We follow her religiously on Instagram because she puts out these videos that are just seem to hit right when we need them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just amazing. Even though husbands don't open them. Yeah. He's like, but we do. <laughs> we do. We do. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. How are thank you? you? Thank you. Thank you. And you flew welcome. in all the way here, even though you yeah. have some... A disease on your foot, <laughs> yeah. like so, some something eating away at your ankle. Yeah. Right, it's some making, infection. Yes. Making some walking around New York very interesting. <laughs> what happened? Well, I went. Uh, I had a friend come into town from Australia mm-hmm. yeah. last week, back home, and I was wearing running shoes, so it was fine. It wasn't yeah. like I was in heels going right. for a four-hour walk. We went for a four-hour walk. Mm. Got blisters, normal occurrence, but. In the last week, they've become very infected. Oh, this and, is so great require, to start the show with. <laughs> require some significant medical intervention. I'm oh. on like 27 antibiotics right now oh, to try. <laughs> Isn't it funny how things can just go so badly so fast? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. then I always go to like, what am I meant to learn from this? You're right. Like, don't exercise. <laughs> what is the learning? <laughs> I, I think about that too. Sometimes you just don't know the lesson. Yeah. No. And how is it for you, not to you? Right. Yeah. So what about you? Hmm. Well, just today I was working. So I was working, you know, and things were kind of not going right with um, what, you know, the communications I was having, you know, and and things like that. And for a moment, you know, I definitely freaked out. You were sitting right there. I definitely had a freak out moment. But then you put it really, really well. You were like, you you were like, time again. (laughs) Exactly. You're like, why are you focusing on that? People go to the moon. You know, it's like, you don't need to bring it. That's what I said. Perspective. Right. Like, on it's, the moon, you know? It's fine. And if people like, you know, what you're putting out, they're going to like it, you know? And if, if they don't, they don't. And it's not the end of the world, mm, you know? Right, right. It's really easy to get caught up in the moment and get all those factors like wrapped around you and it feels like you're almost being strangled right but then Mm. it's like you gotta just take a breath and let go and it's not the end of the world right yeah it's not the end of the world and i feel like that within we can talk about parenting and i feel like uh, i have a four-year-old which i can kind of i've already had a four-year-old so my eldest is nine and i have a four-year-old so i've already been a mom of a Mm four-year-old never been a mom of a nine-year-old turning 10 going through pre-puberty It's been really rough because Mm. I love her so much. Mm. And we've talked about this before. She's pulling away and she's quote unquote misbehaving, which I don't believe in those terms. I believe in overwhelmed, overstimulated, scared, frustrated, hormonal. I don't believe in misbehaving. Mm. But I'm finding it dependent on where I am Mm. emotionally and mentally. Mm. I'm finding it really difficult to not the word is punish or Mm -hmm. discipline Mm -hmm. instead of connect. I find it very triggering the yelling Mm -hmm. and the slamming the doors and the I hate yous Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the you're the worst mom. 
it breaks my heart. So then I get triggered and I'm like, well, then you're not going to soccer, mm. you know? And she <laughs> loves soccer. And then she cries mm. and then I cry. Mm-hmm. It's a shit show over in my house. Um, and then my husband's like, don't do that. And I'm like, don't you do, don't you undermine me in front of there? So, I mean, most of the time it's good, but like a lot of the time right now it's kind of not, you know? Mm. So how do we find connection and not just go straight to punishment? Mm. Well, if there was a formula, mm-hmm. which there isn't, but if there was, mm-hmm. <laughs> there would be sort of two steps mm-hmm. to solving that challenge. Mm-hmm. The first step would be to figure out from inside of you mm-hmm. what about that has like grabbed you. Mm-hmm. And the trigger did not just um, come out of thin air. Right. The trigger actually has nothing even to do with your child. Mm-hmm. The trigger has something to do with something that went down in your life, probably when you were nine or 10, but possibly in your first six years where things were formative, mm-hmm. the programs were being written, you mm-hmm. onboarded messaging, and we grow up bringing all of that forward with us. Mm -hmm. Because another person could be standing in the room and watching whatever event is playing out with your kid and be like, oh, isn't she so perfectly nine? Like, it's (laughs) so epic. Nine is so epic. Whereas uh, for you... I wasn't allowed to do that. Ah, see? I wasn't allowed to slam the door and say, I hate you. What would have happened if you did? I did it. I would would get in... (sighs) I would get in massive trouble. And would you be frightened about that and feel shameful about that? And so now when the door gets slammed and somebody says, I hate you and you're the worst mom ever, your inner nine-year-old is like, oh, my God, like I'm going to get in trouble. And you go to guilt and shame. Mm. But it has nothing to do with her. And her job, because kids are born into the world. We have it kind of socialized out of us as adults, Mm -hmm. but kids read energy like they're like masters at it. Mm -hmm. And so she's like... Oh, like she sniffed you and she was like, oh, this one needs a little healing. <laughs> Around the oh, issue. No, yes. <laughs> Around the issue to do with. Me, mm, Don't touch me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's tricky, to. too, because we teach them about body autonomy, right? And we're like, you know, your body is your body. Like you make the call, mm-hmm. you know. But when you're trying to like, you know, when, when things like that are happening or in the morning when you're trying to get them up. Give me a hug. Give yeah. me a hug. Yeah. How do you how do you do that? You oh, know, like, how do you yeah. explain that? First of all, I would, I, and this sounds contrary to what you've just talked about in right. terms of autonomy. I wouldn't ask. Because we are meant to be alpha and in the lead. So it's our job to read the room and read the situation and know our kid and be respectful of who Mm -hmm. they are. Um, And if I'm, okay, I'll put it into adult terms. If I'm feeling like I want to connect with my husband and Mm -hmm. like we just need a minute, uh, if I have to go to him and tell him, uh, tell me you love me. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I've taken it's too late. Mm. Like I've taken it away from myself and from him mm-hmm. because he didn't offer it. Mm-hmm. By the time I asked for it, you know, when you wait till you're, till you're too hungry mm-hmm. and then Every it's day. too late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so then it, it doesn't matter how much he says I love you then because it won't be enough because right. I had to ask for it. So you want to feel like there's um, this very nurturing hierarchy in place mm-hmm. where you offer forward the love and the nurturance without there being sort of this um, barrier between you and your child. Now, if you know she's pissed and she woke up on the wrong side of the bed and mm-hmm. uh, and when she's like that, she really hates it mm-hmm. when you come right. in for a hug, mm-hmm. then don't hug her. Mm-hmm. You can connect with her with your voice, with your eyes, with the other kinds of I know, and you're, everything you're saying is everything that I want to be. Mm-hmm. So firstly, let's just start there. <laughs> I just 
don't and then that's my own inner child healing mm. i i have my own perfectionism mm -hmm. and our parents which i've made peace with mm -hmm. and i think a, a lot of my generation have your parents do the best that they can with the tools that they 100%. have right mm -hmm. and they're just doing the best that they can based on the healing that they're also doing from their parents and their generation because yeah i used to get in trouble when i slammed the door but oh my goodness well my mom my mom got a brush broken on her butt mm -hmm. you know so at least each generation seems mm -hmm. to be a little bit more evolved when it comes yeah. to parenting mm -hmm. but the issue that I find around that is, you know, I get triggered, but I'm also, you know, and your husband too, like mm -hmm. our husbands are, ten, my husband's 10 years older than mm -hmm. me and same thing. Mm -hmm. And so they're even more fossilized mm -hmm. in their idea of parenting. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do you make when you're trying to, when I'm trying to do what you're saying, mm -hmm. and then you have another parent who's like, no, don't talk to me like that, <clears throat> you know, do this, do that. It, it causes conflict, right? Mm -hmm. It causes tension and, mm -hmm. and friction. Mm -hmm. So I happen to be an expert on this only because <laughs> we only ever teach what we have to learn. Right. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, do the, do you walk the walk? Right. Well, and uh, I'm divorced and remarried, mm -hmm. and I really did dance myself out of my first marriage because mm -hmm. I, I didn't know. I would be like, do you know who I am? Right. <laughs> like, did you read you my book? Know, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, do you listen to this podcast? You're right. You listen to others. <laughs> yeah. So don't do it that way. Yeah. Um, because it's challenging. You want to respond. They're your children. You've read all the books and you know all mm -hmm. the things. And then you see the opposite of it happening and the alarm comes up in you and you mm -hmm. want to pounce all over that. Our job, just as it is with our children, is to get curious with mm -hmm. our partners. Right. And understand that whatever story has them playing it out that way in their parenting journey mm -hmm. is a story that probably would bring you to your knees. Right. And when you, the, the magic happens when you can create a shift in perception. Mm -hmm. And so then you see your partner doing that to your child mm -hmm. and you think, oh, like you have compassion mm -hmm. and a little bit of softness around it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are moments, and it's not every moment, or they lose their potency, but there are moments when we are meant to step in mm -hmm. and say, no, mm -hmm. and I got this, mm -hmm. so that we excuse them from the circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, my own therapist calls it um, great mother or mm -hmm. great father energy, mm -hmm. where like, you know, when you step in, it's kind of like Gandalf and the um, staff mm -hmm. and slammed into the ground mm -hmm. and thou shalt not pass. Like nobody messes with that energy. And it's a sparingly used thing. There are times when we say, mm -mm, this will not stand. Mm -hmm. Right. And you do that with your partners at in certain moments. Yeah. And if mm -hmm. the child happens to be standing there, mm -hmm. because it's, just, it's you not have to be, all it's the a time. It's a fine line, right? Because right. you don't want to undermine them. Yeah. Because I think I learned that from you mm -hmm. or maybe someone <laughs> like you is just as good as you. But you got to be really careful to not be a team in parenting because then the mm -hmm. child feels like they can go to one when, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't want her, I want her to feel, I want our kids to know that what we say we say together and our mm -hmm. rules are our rules together and our mm -hmm. boundaries are our boundaries together mm -hmm. but sometimes when you're parenting differently because you have different traumas and you have different ways you were raised mm -hmm. it, it it's hard to do that in the moment mm -hmm. um we tried to camp we came mm -hmm. up with the word banana <laughs> like if we see the other person <laughs> i'm working to make the connection yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, maybe we'll just say peach i don't know so okay. strawberries uh, but oh you came up with that word in your word, i understand yes. so that when we're mm -hmm. in a situation where he's being a bit of a 
butthole or I'm being a bit of a butthole. Mm -hmm. Like we can look at each other and someone can say like strawberries or peach or banana or whatever it is. And the other person hopefully can go, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing what we talked about. Like Mm -hmm. a jolt. Right. Mm -hmm. My husband now, so we're a blended family and he Mm -hmm. uh, lives in my home. His children are adults, Mm -hmm. but my children um, have been at home since he became part of our family. Mm -hmm. And I remember my now 19-year-old son, who was probably 17 at the time, and he's very clever and very smart, but like not always in the moment. And he had gone upstairs to use the the bathroom and noticed that the door handle was partially hanging off the door mm. and um, went and used the bathroom anyways and closed the door. <laughs> <laughs> And so there was this whole situation that he couldn't get out of the bathroom right. and, and the door told him. Mm-hmm. right and the door handle is like now partially on the ground mm. and and uh, it's all a developing kind of um, challenge. And my husband goes up and he's like, are you for real? Mm. Right. Like the door handle was partially off the door. Mm. And you, just, you get A pluses at school. Right. <laughs> and you can't sort this out. Like, what is wrong with you? That's such and a he shaming. was totally, yeah. and he was very shattered. Because it is. Yes. And I was sitting downstairs and I could hear, I, I know that tone of voice. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. And I could hear it starting to escalate. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those situations right. where he is, my husband had flipped his lid, right. nobody was home anymore, he'd gone limbic and was now being emotionally reactive, right. which is going to become damaging to the relationship that he has um, with my boys. Mm-hmm. And so I just walked up the stairs, like looking with this big smile. <laughs> And I gave him the look, you know the look? Yes. And Mm -hmm. he had the good grace with a few, you know, swear words under his breath to like exit stage left. Right. Um, Because we've had lots of chats about that. Mm -hmm. And he happens to be in the same field as I am. Oh. Exactly. I'm like, he's a therapist lose their shit. I'm like, this is not your time to lose it. This is what you do for a living. That's right. Um, But we've had conversations before how it's Mm. really important when you are activated or same for me because there are times that Mm. I also go off and need a little bit of a reset or a check. Mm. And that's part of how we partner each other is Mm. that we check each other in those moments out of a place of um, love and respect for them and for our family and our children. So what do we do? Now, we've talked about, you know, the child that's more outgoing. But in my case, I have a child that's very sensitive and quiet. And, like, she has slammed a door before, but it doesn't happen that often. More often, she'll run to her room, kind of, you know, stay, like, isolated and then, you know, have some tears and cry and stuff like that. So in a case like that where it's, like, a very sensitive sort of more quiet child, but what do you do in a case like that? Like, what is mm-hmm. the best way to kind of approach it? Where she's done something wrong and her strategy is to cut and run right. and she goes to isolation. And then she doesn't yeah. particularly want to talk about it after whatever's right. happened. You know, yeah. she internalizes and stays quiet. Yeah. So the idea is that discipline has nothing to do with children mm. and everything to do with adults. Mm in that we must become disciplined in the way that we respond to our children's behavior. Mm. And so it really does shine a spotlight on our behavior in those moments rather than 
you know, highlighting that the child was disrespectful or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something to be said for being really respectful. How old is your daughter now? Nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, same, same. Mm -hmm. Of being very respectful of our children's boundaries, just like you would any other human. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. go barging in if your husband's like, I need a minute. Right. You're going to give your husband a minute. Mm -hmm. And so if your child is saying, like, get out of my face, Mm -hmm. you're going to give them a minute because that's the loving thing to do. And that's very different from like a timeout, which we wouldn't recommend. We, the global we. (laughs) (laughs) And I would find a way to um, uh, form a connection, even if they've gone to their room. So let's say she's been in her room for five minutes. Mm -hmm. You can come to the door and you can say, hey, darling, you can even have the door closed and just be speaking through it. It really seems like you want your own space right now. And then you sort of level up one. I think that's a brilliant idea. So now you've taken it on. You've made it yours. And Mm -hmm. you've um, said, I see you and I hear you so much Mm -hmm. that I'm like right there with you. And if you need some more time, um, you do that. I am nearby if you need. Mm. And you always end in connection. I'll be back in a few minutes just to check on you. I had this one dad years ago where they had a child who was doing that very thing Mm -hmm. around that age. Mm -hmm. And the child, because it's very vulnerable to then come out of your room, Mm -hmm. you you have to sort of own up Mm face-to-face with people that you behaved that way. And so lots of kids will Mm. uh, go inward and it takes them a long time and it's Mm. hard for them. And so this dad, he got a pencil and a piece of paper and he drew a little X's and O's grit and slid the pencil and the paper under the door and they just started this ritual when the child would retreat that they would play a game under the door so it took a little bit for Mm. the the boy to then warm up and feel like he could Mm re-enter and then the conversation is never about you did it wrong Mm. the conversation is about that was really hard for you right and you know the next time And so you form a connection. Mm. I see you. I got you. I love you. And the next time you're really mad at mommy or you really don't like Mm. what sister did or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, you can still go to your room if that's what you feel like you need. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try and use our words rather than slam our doors or whatever. Mm. Um, Not that we think they're going to deliver on that. And that we do want to, um, because kids are full of good intentions, and Mm -hmm. we just want to honor that they have that in them. Mm -hmm. And so we say, can I count on you to give that a try next go? And then tomorrow, when it happens again, you can be like, it's really hard, right? Right. (laughs) I see you. Society isn't, you know, we were in Australia recently, Mm -hmm. and I remember being in Bondi Beach. I have a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old, and and a nine-year-old. And my four-and-a-half-year-old had a full-on tantrum. She was going through a lot of emotions around that time. And she flung herself to the ground, and she was having this emotion. And then this woman came past me. She goes, shh. Oh, my kid. Oh. I I was like, like, keep it together. Keep it together. Don't leave your shit. Did you flare on the woman? I I didn't, but I Uh said, she's a four-year-old. This is neurotypical, as I'm proud of myself. This is neurotypical. She's not a bad kid or something like that. And then the woman was like, ah, and she walked away. Because society has set us up so much for failure for parents Mm -hmm. because we look at children who Mm -hmm. are yelling or screaming or hitting their sisters or or whatever, and we're like, ooh, they're bad kids. Mm -hmm. I saw this woman, and I'm like trying really not to judge people in my life right now. But like she was like, it's not going so well. But yeah. she was in Target and she was like screaming at her yeah. four-year-old, right? Oh. And I thought, dude, it is 7.30. 
Mm-hmm. The kid is four and a half. The, yeah. co- the kid is exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're in Target. Like, mm-hmm. firstly, you if you're going to go in Target at 730 and you probably haven't, the kid's eating Doritos or whatever, mm-hmm. kid's hungry. Right. This is your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is not That's your it. kid's fault. Like, yeah. you can't put your kids and set them up to fail and then be like, naughty kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a friend who's like, oh, my kid was like screaming after a birthday party. And so she's in her room now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything because I don't like to parent mm-hmm. other people's kids. But I was like, she just probably had all this cake. Mm-hmm. so overstimulated mm-hmm. she's young mm-hmm. and now she's in trouble right like we have to teach them and, and it's weird when I say I don't believe in punishment because I yeah. don't believe in punishment I believe mm-hmm. in boundaries I believe mm-hmm. in solutions I believe mm-hmm. in talking through things mm-hmm. but I don't believe in punishing mm-hmm. and we I don't know what it is about society like we people still hit their children mm-hmm. they still physically hit their children and it's illegal to hit a dog an elderly person your spouse mm-hmm. I, I can't hit you guys in right. the studio but a four-year-old i can mm-hmm. hit mm-hmm. and it's okay it's legal mm-hmm. do you have a spanking law in the u.s oh do spanking. you guys have one? Oh, do you have one in we canada have, we, have, we have some in do, certain states don't we i we possibly do i don't know I'm i don't think sure. we, i think you can still hit your children yeah. in 2023 in the united states uh you can in canada too it's federal law if they're between the age of two and 12 provided that you don't use a foreign object you have to use your bare hand and you have to hit between the head um like under the head you can't hit anywhere on the head and then you're fine (laughs) um and it always is stunning to me that we still have that kind of a law i you know i think it comes from how uh historically Mm. we have viewed children Mm. um like ideas like the original sin model where you're born like guilty and mm-hmm. sinful and our job as the grown-ups is to purge you of all mm-hmm. of that right. yuckiness and mm-hmm. make you pure and whole, mm-hmm. which sounds extreme. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what forms the biases that we bring forward to our own children. Mm-hmm. The reality is what we know from the science of child development and in particular how the brain grows and develops um, neurons that fire together wire together. And so we, instead of talking about punishment uh, in present day, if we're going to be informed by what we know, and when we know better, we do better, we talk a lot more about the concept of co-regulation. Mm-hmm. And so when the four-year-old is melting down in Target, the four-year-old doesn't need to be punished. Mm-hmm. What the four-year-old needs is to be regulated from the outside. And the brain is the only part of us that actually can be regulated from the outside. Mm-hmm. I can't regulate your kidneys, but I can regulate your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the magic in terms of how that works is through the relationship, through the connection. So important is all of that, that we've given it a name. We've called it attachment in mm-hmm. the research literature. People have lots of interesting ideas about what <laughs> that word means. Um, and when we can connect with our children in those moments when they're really dysregulated, mm-hmm. what we do is we actually allow the cortical layers, the upstairs part of the brain, mm-hmm. to sort of settle back in and take hold and then they can think and then they can reason and then they can problem solve but when their lid flipped those cortical layers are no longer working a hundred percent works for husbands very well Mm -hmm. (laughs) can we talk through some of the attachment styles Mm -hmm. because i myself feel like i don't know in depth you Mm -hmm. know attachments and then how that affects us as parents you know can we kind of go through the attachments yeah so john bowlby who was Mm -hmm. the father of attachment Mm -hmm. uh with his student who then became 
became, uh, in her own right, a very uh, prolific researcher in that area, Mary Ainsworth. They came up with four different attachment styles. And I the, think I know them. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to see if I was right. <laughs> and the way that they did that is they created a laboratory um, experiment called the Strange Situation, mm. where they put children in a room, uh, a child with a parent, and then they went through a series of separations where they would pull the parent out of the room and reunions where the parent would come back into the room. Mm. And they watched how the child reacted mm. to the this. separations and to the reunions. So a secure attachment is when the parent leaves, the child notices, mm. and depending on the child's temperament, uh, if they're more intense and sensitive, they're going to have like a bigger reaction mm. and they're going to fall into these pursuit-seeking behaviors, which means they're going to cry, they're going to call after you, they're not going to be at rest, they're not going to be settled. Mm. And then when you come back into the room, you might see another little burst of that kind of stuff because you left me. <laughs> right. So you're going to pay for that for about 30 seconds. And then they will settle in and they'll just be so um, regulated, co-regulated mm-hmm. by the presence of the parent. That's a secure attachment. And that that's a secure attachment. Okay. And it's the ideal situation. And it's interesting that in secure attachment, you don't have kids who are just sitting and happily mm-hmm. willing. You have kids who are letting you know, like, this is not okay with me mm-hmm. because they have onboarded the understanding that you as the parent are their best bet. And in the absence of the connection, it freaks them out. And what age is that? Well, attachment begins... my nine-year-old is like, see ya. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah. my four-year-old now is, she. she's okay if we go to dinner on yeah. Friday, like with the babysitter, the regular yes. babysitter. Yeah, so she has a relationship. She's okay with she her. Knows. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm 48 and I don't have that with my mom anymore. Right? <laughs> Cry. So, right? I feel like that would not be healthy. Yeah. And so as kids get older mm. and they're more able to regulate themselves, you will see a lessening in okay. those kinds of behaviors. It will reach its peak for your babies, probably around 10 months of age, give or take. And it'll be fairly persistent until somewhere around sort of three, four years of age, depending Mm -hmm. on temperament. Mm -hmm. Um, But some kids can struggle with that kind of thing for longer, maybe because... My eldest did. Right. Until about seven or eight. Yeah. So if Mm -hmm. they're very sensitive, Mm -hmm. you can imagine a sensitive brain intensity-wise is up here. So you have to actually develop a lot more and it requires a lot more time before you can regulate around your levels of intensity if Mm. you're a really sensitive, intense kind of human. Mm. Um, And so you can see it flare up in older kids too. Uh, And the the tell will be that it's a shift in behavior and now they're all, you know, they're not able to go to school or separate from you at night to go to bed or whatever it is. And the answer to that is always going to be more connection so that we can reestablish that secure base Mm. and let them know we got you. And no matter okay. where you are in the world, we're connected. So that's secure. Okay. Okay. That would be the ideal ta- attachment style. Uh, if we were to all have our way with our lives, um, we would be insecurely attached kind of frame of mind and then bring that to our own parenting because we do parent as we were parented. Mm-hmm. Then we have avoidant or sometimes people call it avoidant actu- anxious attachment. <clears throat> Just kidding. <laughs> I think she's Excuse avoidant. Me. I'm anxious. Right? Is that kind of It's like half and half, right? I know. So we're great. She's avoiding. I'm anxious. We're like never really. Great. The two shall Perfect. never meet. Perfect. <laughs> How do we hear? Yeah. And the idea there is that the um, child and the parent are in the room. Mm-hmm. The parent leaves and the child just keeps playing. Right. So the child is avoiding acknowledging mm-hmm. that this has happened. Um, and when the parent comes back, same thing. Child just 
is carrying on with what they're doing. And yeah, if you were to take a little swab of their mm. saliva or pluck out uh, a root of their hair and analyze it uh, chemically, uh, you would see that they look cool as a cucumber on the outside, mm. but internally they are freaking the out. The cortisol level is still high. Cortisol mm. levels are really, really high because that was very stressful. But what has that child learned over time? It serves them no purpose to kick mm-hmm. up a fuss mm-hmm. because nobody's coming anyways. That's my, oh, I know some people like that. Gosh. It breaks my heart. Then we move on to um, resistant attachment, mm. sometimes called avoidant resistant, which gets very confusing. And resistant attachment is a little bit all over the map. Usually it comes out of a parent-child relationship where the parent at times is very loving and very responsive and very available to the child, Mm -hmm. and at other times is really not. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. in my 20-some years of being in this field, I have seen that uh, for parents who struggle with significant mental health kinds of issues, Mm -hmm. addiction, those kinds Mm -hmm. of things, where at times they can be really present, other times they cannot. Mm -hmm. Um, This child is going to get loud, when the parent leaves Mm. and get loud when the parent comes back and not settle. So the loudness is really loud Mm. because that child has learned, I don't know which parent is showing up today. Mm. And so in order to have my need met, I gotta get loud and stay loud to keep you close to me. Mm -hmm. The final of the four is called disorganized attachment. And it's um, usually when a parent has very serious and unresolved trauma. Mm -hmm. So their pattern of interacting with their child is not a pattern. It's all over the map. You can't make sense of it. When I've seen it in front of my eyes in my career, it's a rough one. I started out my career working um, in infant mental health. So zero to eight years of age was my category. alongside child protection. And so we saw a lot of that in that world. Um, And it'll make the hairs on your neck stand up when you know what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. The child looks very disorganized in the way that they respond Mm -hmm. when the connection is severed, either in the strange situation or in real life. Mm -hmm. And they might laugh their heads off. Um, They might masturbate. I had a client, a little client once where that was the go-to mm. response. So they're just very like quizzical. You're just Don't like, know. what is even happening? Right. Um, and ironically, when we look at the interventions around restoring attachment to a secure kind of mm-hmm. um, space, mm-hmm. um, disorganized is one of the most open to change because you don't have to erase a story. Right. There isn't one. So you just get to begin writing it. Oh, yeah. that's fascinating. But what are these attachments? So I, so we now know what they look like in small children. Mm-hmm. But what do they look like in adults? Mm-hmm. And how do Fair we yeah. do Because I always thought I was codependent. When I was with my husband in my 20s, when he would leave and go and do his work, I would get a, a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And I think it was because when we immigrated from South Africa to Australia – you know, we had to start over and I was in different houses and school, and my parents mm-hmm. were very loving and very there. But I, I think I was always anxious about the stability part of it all. Mm-hmm. And so when my husband used to leave, he was my stability, yeah. right? And so I would get very overwhelmed, yeah. have panic, freak out. I obviously don't want to, you know, translate that for, to, for my kid, offer it mm-hmm. up for her. But she's also an anxious kid too. So like, what does it look like in adults? Mm-hmm. And how can you try to not pass it on to your kids? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. They're like the winning question. Yeah. Right. Then I don't right. have to my therapist anymore. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Again, it comes back to how do we not fuck our kids up? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate question. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so if you can imagine the themes from those four attachment styles, and we'll really just talk about the first three because disorganized would, if you 
you're disorganized as a grown-up, that's going to be an entirely different set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. You've probably been diagnosed with a personality disorder by that point, mm. and so that'll be a whole different sort of in intervention. So if we're looking at the um, anxious avoidant mm -hmm. or um, the resistant attachment mm -hmm. styles, think about thematically what that looks like for the child. So mm -hmm. for the avoidant child, there's they, they're like nothing. Right. Nothing's mm -hmm. up. So now you're in an adult relationship uh, with your partner and you're having a fight. Who's getting the silent treatment? The resistant um, attachment style will kick up and get loud. And the other thing to bear in mind mm. is it, it's a little bit on a continuum. Like we can have little pieces of other things within us, but mm. on the whole, be generally healthy about how we're connecting in relationship. Mm. And if you think about the securely attached child, it's not that they don't get upset. Mm. It's that they can regulate eventually mm. through the relationship. Right. As grown-ups, we are not meant to be regulated through the relationship, though it's really lovely when that can happen. <laughs> We're meant to be regulated um, within ourselves. And then we can regulate our kids. You got it. You got it. So you, you as a grown-up, it's very different from childhood. You, you don't get it from the outside anymore. You're meant to have it on the inside and then bring that into the relationships that you have. So in that sense, it really only takes one person to have a really good relationship. <laughs> you said that one attack, because I worry about my, my eldest, mm -hmm. because you said one of the attachment styles, the child doesn't know what they're going to get. And that's not really me. There's varying degrees of it. But sometimes I feel just have my period and I feel good and I'm mm -hmm. centered and I've exercised and I've slept and I'm working and, you know, financially it's great. And then there's other times in my business where I feel out of control and I feel anxious and I feel emotional and, mm -hmm. it's pre, and I'm pre-period. So I fear that, like, maybe she doesn't know if I'm going to be the, mm. let's take care mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. I love you. I'm here for you. Or what did you do? I can't believe you did that. Mm -hmm. And then, but is that just, are we putting too much perfectionism and weight on, like, what we're doing wrong? Or is that pretty normal? Should we talk about that? Parents, <laughs> do all parents do that? Do all parents yeah. kind of, yeah. like, not, I mean, but we're not great all the time. Yeah. yeah. And nature would never have been fool enough mm. to create children, human children, so sensitive and so mm. open to damage and wounding that they couldn't tolerate like a human being as a parent right. <laughs> who's going to have like a moment every now and then. And um, there's really good news in all of this. Mm. So Edward Tronick, so there was John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. Mm -hmm. Another big name in the attachment field is Edward Tronick, who's... Um, out of Harvard and developed uh, a different paradigm. See, Bowlby had separations happening like physical where the mm -hmm. parent physically left the room. Mm -hmm. And Edward Tronick was like, that's cool and all, but let's create a paradigm where the parent emotionally leaves the room. <gasps> right. So it's called the still face. Okay. And that's when he puts the baby and the parent or the child and the parent in a face-to-face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're instructed to play as they normally would for two minutes. And then the parent turns their face away wipes out of emotion and then turns back with this like like frozen. empty look kind of empty oh, wow. and you can see I have a, a video of a three month old in that situation and three month old like they don't say oh where'd you go this is making me right. really anxious so the baby you'll see it in their bodies he, he started tonguing where babies are kind of like rooting and tonguing mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. look for something to soothe them and then the little body started to go and he turned his head and threw up all <gasps> within 30 seconds mm -hmm. so 
kids know right away mm-hmm. what's going on in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is, as Tronic so eloquently put, um, and, and then just so you know, the parent comes back with their warm face now. Mm-hmm. The connection is reestablished. And again, they're looking at the reactivity of the child. Mm-hmm. Um, what they have figured out is that in the most ideal, most optimal, most healthy relationships, mm-hmm. parents and children are only in sync around the connection 30% of the time. Wow, that's a small number. And he said so valuable for us Mm. to understand that the majority of the relationship is playing out over here. So if this is connection, we fall out of connection, and then we find our way back into connection. Mm. 70% is about rupture and repair. Mm. And the idea is that All of that is just fine for our children. When it's not fine is we fall out of connection and there's no move made to repair. If that's happening on repeat, Mm. then that's what becomes damaging to the child. The rest of it is how we grow and learn to understand relationships and learn to understand um, or develop the capacity for adaptation and Mm. and resilience. And so all of that's lovely. 30%. You just got to hit 30. We call it being the good enough parent. Good enough parent. Just barely skimming the surface. So we're good. (laughs) (laughs) I've only screwed her up 40%. (laughs) Perfect. So what do, especially like Tam and I have these girls that are going into their preteens, right? Mm-hmm. They're, it's starting, like little signs are starting now. Like right. you can kind of feel it. How do we maintain this connection with our girls and really kind of make, you know, make us be the safe spaces, keep that, you know, going for them as they approach these years that can be so chaotic yeah. and so crazy? What? What? Tell us what some techniques that we can do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid we're going to lose them. Yes. Too, yes. Right? And that's the biggest fear, I think, a lot of uh, mothers of mm-hmm. nine-year-olds because they're going yes. through. The, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing she's, you know, the bra, we're talking about bras and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I have a four-year-old that still wants to snuggle. Um, but I'm afraid mm-hmm. we're going to lose them. Yeah. And I know that's the biggest fear. And it's like, what if... What if they never come back? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. So start there. (laughs) (laughs) Start there with acknowledging the fear and wondering where the fear comes from. Because it's not new. It's very familiar. And it will come from something within your own childhood Mm -hmm. that your now child on the outside of you is bringing up Mm. for the child on the inside of you. Right. And so that's the first part of the formula. The second part is to really know where kids are at and why. So when you are preteen and you're about to launch into adolescence, there's um, this whole process of individuation that's playing out all the time for our children. Mm. But at that point in time, you can imagine that your children are increasingly moving forward to, and hold on to yourselves for a second, (laughs) forward to adulthood. Mm-hmm. Where they're gonna like both Gosh. feed her into into being their biggest best person, oh. and they're figuring out you know how to make their mark on the world and like live loud and be who it is that they are. And in the preteens and teen years, they have one foot in that world mm. and one foot where your four year old is, mm-hmm. and they're like ah. I don't know. Like they're they're stuck sort of in this in between world, and there's a lot of um, uh, dysregulation that can come up for them around that. The other thing is, and there's a beautiful book written by Dan Siegel, who's mm. um, 
an interpersonal neurobiologist. <laughs> you just wanted to say that on the podcast. Don't you love it? Like, I'm smart. <laughs> Podcasts and cocktail parties. That's yeah, the one I dropped. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> He's actually a psychiatrist mm. and um, and really understands the inner world of that attachment piece and children. And he wrote a book about teens called Brainstorm, which is a, a gorgeous read mm. because it describes to you what's happening inside this adolescent brain. It's like it's inverting itself right. and it has to live intensely which means like like highs are really high mm. and lows are really low because during this um, period of time you actually have to like chew on all these kind of existential sorts of issues mm. and it, it freaks you out and so you need to be able to have this sort of like um, very warpy way of looking at the world for a few years mm. until you come to terms with like what the endless universe is all about and how that circles back to you and who is it that you're meant to be in this thing called life so that's why the reactions get especially big um, our job as parents is to not become afraid of that. Mm. And uh, you can take a Q-tip, you know Q-tips. Mm -hmm. um, Stick it in your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> many, many times. Because sometimes... <laughs> That's how I feel parenting. Yeah, yeah. Is it's 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 less painful to stick it a Q-tip in my eyeball than parent a nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I can see, I yeah. can see. Just you saying. know, the Q-tip stands for quit taking it personally. Oh, your child's reaction one. has nothing to do with you. So, like, stuff a Q-tip in your bra or in your pocket. Mm. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. And remember, this isn't about you. Mm. This is about them being perfectly nine. Aren't you so grateful that you have a very typical child who gets to be perfectly nine? Mm. And the final layer around adolescence is because they are moving towards full individuation and full independence as a grown-up. They are meant to step away. And sometimes in order for the step away to happen, they have to push. And so they, they get loud and get in your face and like drop you like it's hot. And then you're left as the parent to deal with your own attachment style mm -hmm. <laughs> while your kid is abandoning you, right? Right. But they're not. They're, they're not. For now. No. Unless we are no. not a great parent. <laughs> well, I think, you know, they. you may feel like they are. Mm. My boys are 16 and 19. I never had girls. Um, and what I've w watched over time is they, re they want to stretch into becoming their own selves. And they circle back in mm. ways that are just like mm. so rich and so um incredible to witness as mm -hmm. a parent um but and look it, at it's you as really, the mom. Uh, like, yeah. you put your shit together. Like, I don't know. I think that if I was your kid, I'd be like, I'm circling back. She's cool. But I mean, my kid's like, my mother. But it's so true. Like, we do take it. So, I mean, my biggest issue is just learning how to love myself, which has always been my North Star, and it's getting so much better, and mm. I'm in such a better place. Yeah. Um, learning to love myself and realize it's like, it's because there is some narcissistic tendencies that we have as parents, too. Mm. We always think it's about us, right? It's like, mm. my kid's acting like that because I, it's all about, well, right. I did this mm -hmm. or what I did wrong. So there's like all these things about, mm. like, we make it all about us because you know, it's hard because you want your kid to make the right decisions. You want them to say, no, I'm not going to get in the speeding car. No, I'm not going to take those drugs. No, I'm not going to make the bad decisions. But then it's like you want to put boundaries on them and not punish them. But my biggest question now is like, how do we put limits and boundaries mm -hmm. on things that are dangerous mm -hmm. without losing that connection, yeah. but without going 
you know, uh, you, you're going to get your pocket money taken away because you did this because it mm. doesn't make any sense to them. Mm-hmm. So how do I teach my kid to not take the drugs? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Roxy can take them. <laughs> More yeah. for everybody else. <laughs> but how do we get our kids to not do that? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like how do we yeah. how do we get them to make right decisions yeah. without punishing them for the bad or scaring them too much right yeah because yeah, you want to parent with love you don't mm-hmm. want to parent with fear yeah and that's really really important and when we understand our job when we're being respectful parents conscious parents attachment centered parents is to step in with love with an equal balance of firm and kind so it's not that you have to be like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> like never upset them and never say no and never do those you you need to do that it, if you didn't do that it would be like asking them to drive across this like the bridge of life with no guardrails on it that would right. be terrifying mm-hmm. for them and so you really want to make sure that you are a balance of firm and kind and understand the same as for us as adults, we are inspired and motivated and desire mm. to do the bidding of another human mm. when we feel close and connected to them. Mm. So when connection is high, resistance will be low. But it's like a teeter-totter. Mm-hmm. When connection is low, resistance will be high. And so for my um, children, the idea is to uh, parent from the space of connection. And we talk about what the rules are mm-hmm. and how that's all meant to play out. And I've I really have never had a problem with keeping curfew or, you know, following the rules that we've set forward as a family. And if there is a bobble every now and then, then what I do as a parent is I come back to myself and I think, okay, I overestimated what it was that my child could handle. Mm. And so now it's time to um, move the bar higher or move the bar lower, mm. uh, depending on the situation, so that my child is not set up to fail. To fail. Mm. Uh, let's say it's around you know curfews, particularly on nights when we go to beach parties. Why would I pick that example? <laughs> How many beach parties are you going to? I know. Can we come? Where's that invite? And so uh, if that's going to be a challenge, then there's new parameters set forward around how we do beach party nights. Mm. Because the issue is not necessarily something I'm going to pin on my kid. What my kid learns from that is that my mom sees me and hears me and gets me. It's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. He is very connected. They they both are. And so they desire to fall into line. They don't want to resist mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and by and large, they're generally easy. I, I think I've said this about every stage of their lives. Mm. I loved them as babies. Like, oh my God, did I ever love that face? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love them as crazy little toddlers and all of the things. And I loved the adolescent years and mm-hmm. am loving them um, because the power of that connection piece is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And remember, I mean, just because I do what I do doesn't mean it's perfect in my house. <laughs> I lose my shizzle and yell and mm-hmm. do all of the things. I got divorced. That wasn't fun for them. It wasn't the five years leading up to that. Certainly wasn't a good time. <laughs> right. My son is in the car with me the other day, the one that's 16 now. And he's like, you know, mom, I've, I've realized I really didn't have a very good childhood. I was like, <laughs> like Please, can you You're never like, tell anybody that asks right. me that? You're like, you will ruin my business yeah. right now. He's like, yeah, that wasn't very fun being from a broken home. You're like, <laughs> I was like, who says it's broken? 
broken. It's just reconfigured. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. right. You're like, we just need to reframe it. Yes, right, right. So what do we say to our kids? Because this is also the time going into these preteen years mm-hmm. when they are seeking approval from their peers, especially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. And the cliques are coming up and they want to be in this clique or that clique or they feel like they're not accepted in this group or that group. And they're like, you know, this person likes me. This person doesn't like me. Like, how do we kind of, you know, deal with that when mm-hmm. they're when their peer approval is so mm-hmm. high right now? Mm-hmm. You should have had boys. I know. <laughs> yeah. There's this, um, uh-huh. I was going to say, and should you pick their friends? Because uh, yeah. we're actually going to move my kid's school uh. because I think the she's not happy there anyway but her friendship group is mm-hmm. is is pulling her into things that mm-hmm. i know is not her mm-hmm. and we're going to go to a different school that learns differently mm-hmm. and the kids are lovely mm-hmm. no social media that's cool <laughs> <laughs> so how do we do that yeah you know there's a a brilliant book written by gordon newfeld mm-hmm. and gabor mate um called Hold On to Your Kids, mm-hmm. Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. Mm-hmm. And the thesis around all of that really um, comes out of the attachment literature, mm-hmm. looking at who, like, who is meant to be our child's North Star. It's meant to be us. Right. And it's not that we can protect them from the frenemies and the mm-hmm. drama and the whatever. And it is that we can buffer them mm-hmm. through the relationship. And so when the child is oriented to us, the kid over here can be mean and nasty and saying all the things, exclusionary, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. But the child is feeding from this connection. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be able to weather the storm. It doesn't mean they won't be sad and hurt by it, but they'll be able to weather that storm because they've got such a rich source mm-hmm. of connection that mm-hmm. is their North Star source. So it's not the central source. When kids are, and it's tricky because the way that we set our world up for our young children, they're they're finding themselves increasingly in these homogenous groups of same-aged peers, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes from very, very young. And so it's almost like we push them into each other's faces and they start to parent Right. each other mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than looking to the parent to be mm-hmm. their parent. The idea is before adolescence, mm-hmm. you want to make sure mm-hmm. that that's what you have developed with your child. And it's not that it's ever too late. It's just that the later you leave it, the longer and mm-hmm. steeper the climb will be to restoring it. Um, so that as they're making those decisions, mm-hmm. they always remember where it is that they've come from and what it is that actually matters, which is the connection back to you. Wow. So it kind of goes back to the lessons you've already taught them. In other words, yeah. instead of like them looking to a friend or like another mm-hmm. peer for that kind of approval. Exactly. Yeah. And you can think of it also in the sense that, you know, when things go wrong or mm-hmm. stuff is heating up and your kid's like, ah, I don't know what to do, which they find themselves in those situations when they're mm-hmm. at beach parties mm-hmm. or wherever. <laughs> they find themselves in those situations. And, and think about it that you want your child's a blink instinct mm-hmm. to be call mom she will know what to do as opposed to oh my god don't ever let mom find out i can't be yeah. in trouble for mm-hmm. this and so whatever you do in your parenting have it lead to that right and i always say to my my daughter if anything happens i'm not and you're scared call me and i'm not going to ask questions if you don't mm-hmm. want me to mm-hmm. i will come pick you up yeah, and no I've said that what. a million times. But what you said, true, and I think what's what we should end on is connection and resistance. Mm-hmm. The connection is high, the resistance is low, mm-hmm. and I think that that's so true. If our kids are acting up, mm-hmm. it's because the connection is low, or something's mm-hmm. going on where they don't feel safe enough to talk, mm-hmm. or they feel like they are confused and scared. Mm-hmm. And so, hopefully, whoever's listening, 
yeah, I hope that this has helped mm. someone, mm-hmm. you know, some father out there. Just yeah, just some dads. No, just no. Dads are great. We love dads. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you worry about, right? Mm. With bullying especially, yes. you know, with these kids. You want your connection with them to be high. Right. And I'm assuming you kind of teach them that it's not that they can only kind of uh, worry about themselves mm-hmm. in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about changing the bully, yeah. Is that right? Like, yeah, is it, it's right. more about hanging like, on to yourself. Okay. And when my son was being bullied, mm-hmm. I gave him this line: "What does that tell you about that other child? Yeah. What do you know about them that this is how they choose to do it? Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to, to do, do with, with you, you at all. Um, it really is just about coming back to that relationship and to also not weaponize that against yourself because if your kid's really upset, then you're like, God. <laughs> like if I have this, right. because the thing is, the connection will be what restores them. Mm-hmm. And children look to us as their big people, mm-hmm. um, as their ultimate protectors. Mm-hmm. So when anything goes wrong in their life, mm-hmm. whether you had anything to do with it or not, it's your fault because mm-hmm. right. you're the ultimate protector, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so to to not take it personally, to have the Q-tip in your pocket at all times so you can be tangibly reminded of that mm-hmm. and to step in with power and grace in all of the situations that present an opportunity for you to respond with relationship rather than mm-hmm. punishment. Mm-hmm. And you can always use a Q-tip to clean out your ears. Yeah. You sure. Right? right? <laughs> Dual purpose. purpose. My yeah, husband's yeah. like, I can't hear you. I'm like, well, here's a Q-tip <laughs> yeah. to clean out clean your ears. It. So handy. <laughs> yeah. You can clean out your brain and your ear. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad we I, we saw you in person, even though you thought I was shorter than I was. First thing Vanessa said was like, you're short. No, did she get it? She said, you're smaller. You're so yes. little. Yes. I don't know if that's good or bad. but I've I love it. Myself. She also confirmed that, in fact, I am an inch taller than you. You, I always knew you were. But I can fit in small places if I ever like to get around. But we hope we see you again. We Likewise. hope we can continue. Yes. You can always be our our expert, our parenting expert, and enjoy Australia. Have you been there before? I have been there two or three times. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there last time, though, just as the pandemic broke out, and I had to, like, hurry, scurry back on a plane and come home, so I'm excited to go back. I'll send you all the restaurant recommendations. (laughs) Yes, and do tell us about those Aussie men. I mean, I know we're all married here, but, you know, never hurts to look. (laughs) I will let you know. (laughs) I'm sure her husband will be really impressed with you, Roxy. He'll be like, no friends with that Roxy. Girl. Like he's on the Roxy day. My husband said that to me all the time. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Where can people find you who, if they are new to the podcast, or where can they find you? Yeah, DrVanessaLapointe.com is my website. All of the information about my books and everything else is there. And I'm pretty active on social media. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Period Vanessa LaPointe with an E on the end. <laughs> do you do all your social media, by the way? Because we're... Do you, uh, oh! of outsourcing but we're like oh. hmm, let's ask people what yes. they do you have a company who puts I have a guy oh and he I'm telling Give you you might have he to is. process along your guy he's <laughs> he is is like no it's magical. my guy <laughs> yeah. he's magical and the best part about him is his heart is like as big as the universe and so oh. that's when you see the videos he puts together it I mean he's just so incredible so yeah oh. well, he's Australian well he's uh. not Australian but I met him <laughs> 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 well let's just say he's Australian Australian um, thank you guys so much we're women on top official on instagram and women on top podcast on facebook and women on top official on tiktok and don't forget to very right subscribe and comment i am temis Hersog. and i am roxy manning and this is dr vanessa <laughs> point and we are women, women on, on top, top. <laughs> <laughs>